Morning Liberty. Well, what is going on, all of our Liberty-loving friends? This is another fantastic episode of Good Morning Liberty, we hope. I'm one of the hosts here, Charles Chuck Thompson, with me as always, Mr. Producer, Nathaniel Paul Thurston. It's not starting art. It's starting out very well today for not me. starting art. It's starting art for me either. I forgot to hit record when I hit the intro music. I didn't hit record on the video. And so uh, that's why I said we hope. It's a case of the Mondays. We hope that this what makes it, is. it to you. That's what happens when I have a weekend off. And you, you know, know, if they can't hear it, it's not going to matter anyway. That's this true. Is, this is the whole, does the tree make a sound when it farts in the woods or something like that? Yeah. Yeah. As yeah. they say. When a bear eats a tree, can you hear it? Yep. If no one's there. Exactly. And the case, the truth is no. And that right there, that kind of logic and wisdom is why people all over the world are following and subscribing to the Good Morning Liberty podcast so they can listen every single day of the week when they want to. So make sure you smash that button, tell a friend, tell a family member, go to joingml.com to watch Mm -hmm. live so you can know for sure that we didn't cut any of that BS out there at the very beginning. Okay. what you call cornbread logic. Exactly, man. Let me tell you what. Okay. Here's some logic for you. We're going to start off with an article from Time Magazine. Written by unpaid journalists. (laughs) Time.com. All right. Extremists are using lies to undermine America's public schools. We need to take a stand. This has been happening for like 60 years. I know. Been going for a long time. Uh, When you read that, you don't really know who they're going to talk about. It could be either way. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't know. Just as extremists have used the big lie about the 2020 presidential election to undermine American democracy. It has a name now. It's the big lie. Yeah. The big lie. Yeah. It's like, um, it's, it's like Hitler's big lie. Far right Mm. advocates of privatizing public education are using big lies to undermine public schools. Supporters of public schools must take a stand against them. Mm-hmm. In a That's recent right. lecture, the ultra-conservative Hillsdale College, that's where it was, Culture War Orchestrator Christopher Rufo detailed the strategy for replacing public education with a universal voucher system. Rufo, another dark money-funded extremist, follow a consistent playbook for attacking public schools. We're starting right off with a dumb bleep of the weekend right here. Now, this isn't a conspiracy theory. No, no. Dark no, no. money, culture war, orchestrator. Mm-hmm. He started it. Mm-hmm. He started it, okay? They're just going to have to try and fight back because the people on the right have started a culture war in our schools. That's right. There was, no, there was nothing having to do with culture happening before this Mm-mm. at all. First, they're going to detail this out right here. First... They concoct lies, smears, and distortions that stoke fear and anger, such as that eight-year-old white students are being taught to hate themselves because they are responsible for slavery, and that kindergarten teachers are grooming five-year-olds. That's, yeah, to- that's total lies. Not happening. No, that hasn't happened. Now we have no video evidence of any of that. Are We've talked about this before, but it's probably more anecdotal than something that is happening at every single school around the country. That is true. We see a video. It's something we really don't like. It goes viral. Doesn't mean it happens at every single school. We can we can admit that. In fact, most probable it doesn't happen at Mm -hmm. most schools. Mm -hmm. Next, second, these falsehoods, because those are things that don't happen at all. 
those those lies right there. Those falsehoods are spread on social media and by Fox News and the click-driven, controversy-obsessed mainstream media. Like time. Just by them. (laughs) (laughs) Finally, extremist state politicians champion cookie-cutter bills provided by those same voucher backers to solve the manufactured outrage, often under the banner of parents' rights. Hmm. This is all fake. The entire problem doesn't exist. That's right. And in fact, if you do think it, you're probably one of these crazy culture war orchestrating far-right extremists. It is a false flag public education takeover. It is. That's what Completely. it is. Yeah. In the and way, everyone's in on it. Everyone. Yeah. In <laughs> and the, this isn't a conspiracy. We even got people on the left to record videos of them doing dumb shit. Exactly. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's how deep this conspiracy goes. It is. In the wake of the worst pandemic in a century, policymakers should be focusing on how to strengthen public education and support students' success and well being by expanding pre-K, addressing shortages of teachers, nurses, and guidance counselors, increasing access to AP classes, career technical education pathways that lead to well-paying careers, and better equipping schools to teach critical thinking skills and address the spiraling rates of youth depression, anxiety, and suicide. Now, I don't disagree with any of that, honestly. Like, if you're going to have a public education system, then you should focus on these things the problem is is that they'll say they don't have enough money when really they can't admit that their score that their that their school is so poorly run and all the money goes to administration that they can't offer any of these types of things and then they say well we just need more money it's like you're running at almost the defense budget now which is <laughs> 700 and something billion dollars. Not quite the defense budget yet. But Almost. For 2020 and 2021, they're getting close they to were, that. Yeah, yeah, they're more than halfway there. <laughs> so, and they're, that's what they're going to say is like, we don't have enough money. It's like what they can't see is how poorly these education systems are run. And that's because there's no incentive to run them any better. The incentive is to do enough to get by because you can't get shut down anyway. So as long as you don't, you know, do anything illegal like badly illegal by the way like harm other people molest kids those types of things as long as you don't do that you can keep your job it doesn't matter whether you're actually educating kids or not it doesn't matter whatsoever that's the incentive because you can't lose your job see so these schools are horribly run when i was in the fifth grade my teacher got fired a little bit afterwards because they caught him looking at naughty pictures on his computer that happened that happened i don't remember that to my fifth grade teacher and they've solved this problem. They've just, the problem was that the kids couldn't see them. So they've taken those pictures and put them in the books now that they're giving to the kids. That yeah. way everyone gets equal access. The problem was the unequal access that you were able to get. Mm-hmm. So see, it's not like they haven't solved any problems. All right. So instead, politicians are doing the exact opposite of trying to solve all those things. They're banning books, textbooks, and news services that help students learn to identify misinformation. They're demanding teachers remain neutral on, or worse, teach both sides of Nazism, slavery, lynching, and other historical atrocities. Or worse, teach both sides. Yeah, or worse, teach both sides. Because that's the that when it comes to education, the worst thing you can do is teach someone both sides of it so that they can critically think and make up their own mind. Well, because in order to solve a problem, 
you need absolutely no information about why that problem exists in the first place. Mm. That's the first thing you don't want is any information about why this problem exists at all. Because then you'd be so tough to identify the misinformation. And you just need to know this is wrong and we have to use the state mm. to stop it. Yeah. And that's the only thing that you're supposed to know. Now, also keep in mind, I did hear, I did see a story where the, I think it was in Texas, maybe they were supposed to teach both sides of Nazism. Now, is this author using an anecdote, like one specific thing that they know that happened when it comes to this? Or is this widespread across all of the schools in the U.S.? Well, we know the answer. Okay. Just, yeah, there was a rhetorical question. Yeah. That's, that's true. It's definitely an anecdote. They are encouraging lawsuits against teachers and school districts that teach thorough and accurate history. Why would you want to sue teachers that teach thorough and accurate history, Charlie? Jeez. Well, because these are extremists, Nate. They are marginalizing and dehumanizing LGBTQ students and teachers and same-sex families and barring students from receiving mental health services and lessons that foster their social and emotional development and well-being. And they won't even let them chop their wieners off without their parents' permission. <laughs> How could they? I know. They will know, take crazy. hormone blockers. Just so everyone knows, that last part was not in the Time article. Okay, yeah. it was a bit of ad lib right there. <laughs> the goal is to destabilize public education and replace it with a universal, unregulated voucher system, which would increase segregation and exacerbate already wide gaps between the rich and the rest of us. Mm. That's what it would do. If... If parents were allowed to send their kids to the best schools, the better, the best schools in their area, they could take that money and spend it and have the, a little bit of choice with the money instead of having to go to the schools in their area. See, that is actually going to make life worse for them. Yeah. That's, you don't want choice. And that, if you, like, if you're able to, you can actually move to a district that has the best schools, mm, by the way. That's yeah. what we're doing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. That's literally the whole reason why we built a house where we're building it is because, well, one, we could build a house there. And two, it's the, like the best county in all of Tennessee, comparative to the rest of the country, where they do offer all of these things. Like, so my son has autism and through the public school system, he will get his therapies and like everything that he needs specialized to him. Because we moved to this school district that does those things. Yeah. And, now and that's the reason why our house costs so much more than the other areas. Now, what we know is that it's super easy for people to just move to the absolute best school district no, that there is and go to that easy. school. That's super easy. That's not easy yeah. at all. Okay. So you're saying it might be easier if someone's across the border of that county or that district, if they just got whatever amount of money was going to be spent on education and then they could go to that school if without wanted to. having to buy a house in that district That's right. that costs twice as much as the district right next to it. That's right. Hmm. Okay. Well, that sounds like you're on this far right conspiracy. But it would be unfettered right and unregulated. Thing. Completely. There will be no regulations involved in this no. at all. No regulations. All right, so why gaps? We got that last week in a five-minute floor speech. Michigan State Senator Mallory McMorrow said, you got to watch this speech, you know, quote, we cannot let hateful people scapegoat and deflect from the fact that they are not doing anything to fix the real issues that impact people's lives. And I know that hate will only win if people like me stand by and let it happen. What so, does that even mean? It doesn't matter. Kinda, there was a part at the beginning where it said this is a must-watch floor speech. Now, I, don't, I don't have it, but you have to watch it. Okay. okay. 
They said so. We know from history, and we are seen in real time with Vladimir Putin's war on Ukraine, mm. that unchecked disinformation and dehumanization cause untold damage and suffering. That's right. You want to have school vouchers? You might as well be Putin <laughs> fighting against Ukraine. That's right. You know who likes school vouchers? Vladimir Putin. <laughs> And For Putin, sure. They're Putin vouchers. Yeah. <laughs> Y'all take your Putin vouchers and go to that better school if you want to. We're not going to let you do that. If people of conscience, conscience stay on the sidelines, Rufo and other extremists could well succeed in their drive to weaken public education, undermining our democracy and further eroding America's middle class. Finally got that last buzzword in there. I yep. was waiting. Got that democracy, democracy in there, undermining our democracy. But if people stand up against these attacks, we can defeat this destructive push to privatize education and instead strengthen our public schools' ability to help our children succeed and create a better future for all of us. Now, I wonder who wrote this. I have no clue you, what their incentive could possibly be. They, it's someone who just really cares about the education of your children. Cares about the children. Who was it, Chuck? Oh, author here, Randy Weingarten. Weingarten. Huh. How about that? That sounds kind of German, doesn't it? <laughs> Randy Weingarten. Now, who is she? You might ask. Well, she is the president of the 1.7 million member American Federation of Teachers. She's a union president. <laughs> yep. So why would she be against school vouchers? Oh, I don't know. Because then uh, your union dues go away. What's What's funny is when I first read this, I didn't look at the author. I just read the article. And once I got through the article, I was like, wow, this is craziness, like slanted toward this. this is and I said in my head, I was at the bottom of the article. And I said, I bet you this was written by Randy Weingarten. I bet you it was. <laughs> and lo and behold, I scroll up to the top and it's written by Randy Weingarten. <laughs> Look at that. This is great. Great stuff. President of the American <laughs> Federation of Teachers Union. Now, Who I, would have ever guessed? I do think that a school voucher system would be pretty. What What's uh, coincidental about this is I was cutting some videos for Free to Choose this morning. And I was uh, cutting up a talk where Milton Freeman was talking about a voucher system and cut a bunch of videos about this this morning and then just happened to find this article today where they're talking about the evils of the voucher system you know and i i don't know exactly how well i do know exactly how this happened it's because a bunch of the people that listen to this are people who went to public schools so they can't rationalize exactly what the solution might be to the problem you know no offense to to everyone but uh, giving parents the choice of going wherever they want, not only, you know, what people normally say is, well, that's going to destroy this poor school that these kids are going to. In itself, you're saying we need to force these kids to keep going to this terrible school that's right. teaching them. Exactly. Nothing. Okay. So that's, I say good. Yeah. That's the first thing you're saying, but you know what else it would do? It would tell that school that if they want to keep some kids, they're going to have to do a better job. What is wrong with that? Someone please tell me what's wrong with that. Well, children. Nate. Your worst case scenario here is that parents take their money that people are paying in taxes and they go to a better school and their kid gets a better education. Well, Nate, the single mom of 17 who doesn't have a car <laughs> and so she can't drive her kids over to the better school. So she's going to be stuck sending her kids to the bad school. That's going to give them worse because everybody else that was rich left there. Mm hmm. Everybody with a car. And so now they're stuck with this horrible, horrible education. Yeah. And 
So you know what? We just need to keep the uh, horrible education that we have right now. And force everybody to go there. That's that's the only answer, isn't it? Yeah, and this is the other wild thing is like, okay, you're already paying for it. It's not like it's not like, okay, you pay taxes for roads, let's say, and then there's only certain roads you can drive on, <laughs> you know, based on whatever. No. So it's like you're already paying for the schools through property taxes or whatever. And uh the, through borrowed money from your kids and mm-hmm. your grandkids. And so it's like, why can't you just choose what school you want to go to? Why does it have to be such an issue? Um, Corey DeAngelis, I think is his name. He always makes a really good analogy, which is that we have the SNAP program for people to buy food that, that can't afford their food, right? And if you could just imagine that instead we just paid taxes towards government-run grocery stores that would be in your district and anytime you wanted to change something at that grocery store, you didn't like their selection, you had to elect a board of people and try and get that board of people to change whatever it was that's in there. And what would their incentive structure be there at that grocery store? They wouldn't have much because you can only use that money at that grocery store. So do you think the grocery store would be better or worse if you could only use your money at that grocery store right there? Do you think they'd be as good as what they are right now? Definitely worse. Definitely worse. And so what we do, not that we like taking money away from people and giving it to others. But what we do is we give the money to the people and then they choose what they're going to do with that money. That is at least better than setting up a government run grocery store that people can only get food from. Mm-hmm. It's, it's at least better than that. That's the only, only thing I have to say about that. We got a little bit of accidental capitalism coming from the guardian over here. All right. From the, uh, from the guardian, uh, where Snowden leaked his leaks. Mm. That's right. Yeah, he was then, wasn't it? The Guardian, yeah. So is it Asada or uh, a- Asda? Asda, I think. Asda. Someone from uh someone As- from the UK will have to tell us. Asda. Az- Asda. Asda and Morrison's cut prices as supermarkets fight for customers. So Asda has said it will spend ninety one million dollars to cut or freeze prices on a hundred products, while Morrison says it will cut prices on five hundred products as Britain's supermarkets fight to keep keep customers amid rising inflation. British supermarkets are trying to preserve their market share in the big four, Tesco, Sainsbury's, Asta, Asda, and Morrison's are watching the growing competition from chains like Aldi. Supermarkets are also competing for staff amid a tight labor market. Asda on Monday said it will increase pay for workers matching earlier increases from its competitors. Morrison CEO said, we know that our customers are under real financial pressure and we want to play our part in helping them when it comes to the cost of grocery shopping. Moshin Issa, the co-founder of Asta, said, we know that household budgets are being squeezed by an increasing cost of living and we are committing to doing everything we can to support our customers, colleagues, and communities in these exceptionally tough times. Now, isn't that something? That is weird. So what? I don't so know if the Guardian meant to do this. Forced by the Prime Minister of mm-hmm. Britain. Yeah, yeah, came through. Forced yeah. them to lower their prices. This yeah. was the Ministry of Grocery. Yeah. Now what coming was coming down <laughs> to tell them what they can and cannot charge on their products? I was going to ask you. Is at the end there they had the co-owner of Asda and then uh, Morrison CEO both said that they're doing this to help consumers because they know they're having a hard time right now. Now, do you think that that's why they're doing it? No. No. Now, why do you no, still what want to... What they're doing is what it set up here, which is that they are trying to preserve their market share. Yeah. They're watching the growing competition from chains like Aldi. Supermarkets are also competing for staff amid a tight labor market. They're in the midst of a competition. 
and they want to continue. They want their business to remain open to continue receiving uh, receiving revenues. And since the competition's getting stiff, there when the going gets tough, the the tough is going. So you're saying that you're just okay with people doing things for their own self interest, for their own benefit. You know, that these greedy people come in, they're not doing it for the right reasons, Charlie. They're not doing it to help people. So we can't have this kind of system. But it does help people. But that's not why they're doing it. But the end result is it does help people. (laughs) You're saying that matters? No, I'm talking about whether or not these are good people. (laughs) It doesn't matter. Okay. It doesn't matter at all. I got you. Okay. All right. You sound like kind of an extremist. (laughs) Yeah. The incentive, the, well, okay. So do they want to help people? Yes. I will say yes, actually, because the incentive is to help people to gain more market share. (laughs) But what's the underlying incentive there? Well, it's both. (laughs) Yeah. Right. People helping people. If it's a powerful thing, Mm -hmm. I scratch your back, you scratch mine and we both win. So that's the incentive of capitalism, which is we both win. So let's say that they're, well, let's go through the two possible incentives here. Let's say that their incentive is to increase their market share and they've got competition. What are they going to do? That looks like they're going to lower prices. Okay. Let's say that their incentive is to help people. What are they going to do? Nothing. They're going to lower prices. What you're supposed to say right oh, there. Okay. Lower they, prices. Yeah. They would both end up uh, with doing that. But what you don't want is some kind of a ministry of food dishing out our SNAP benefits from the previous article that we had right there. This is also can kind of go in line with the school conversation that we just had. You know what they you know what they're going to do? They're going to try and get people to come there instead of going to the competition. That's what they're going to do. That's the great thing about competition. That's what Morrison says, "Azda, I see your 100 products and I raise you 500." <laughs> it's, and then yeah. Aldi's going to come in and be like, "Yeah, we we don't charge for anything." Yeah. <laughs> Except for you got to bring your own bags. Bring your okay. own bags and That's and bring it. a quarter for the cart. Yeah. All right. That's all you got to do. What a nice piece by The Guardian. I appreciate them showing their support. And by the way, special thanks to Fee.org, who had a piece about this article, talking about this. And so I just decided we would go to the article and throw our own words on it. But thanks for the tip. It is like it is the only system like we have ever devised where despite even if you have bad intentions, it still works out for the good of the people. For the most part. Yeah. Now there are, there's always exceptions, folks. We don't live in a perfect world. Okay. So there are going to be these evil, greedy people out there taking advantage of people, charging you for an ill-begotten product or service. And how do we get rid of those people? People stop going to them. That's competition. Competition. Exactly. Those people don't stay around for very long. Okay. Because, because people find out the word spreads. Okay. If you go to a doctor who starts killing people. He's not going to be a doctor for very long. Oh, okay. Unless you watch that Dr. Death show on Peacock, man, that's crazy. The, and it's the only, if you look at history, like this is why I love history so much. It's like literally, if you look 250 years ago, like almost everyone died and you lived to like 40 or 50 and the world was absolutely atrocious. Actually, everyone died if you look back that far. Well, I'm talking relatively young. Okay. Okay. You were lucky to make it to your 10th birthday. They didn't. Birthday. They'd be on like the extra or something like that. Oh, you, you were lucky to make it to your 10th birthday, okay? Because most kids died back in the day. The only thing that has changed the lot of human history 
or the lot of the ordinary man, according to Milton Friedman. Ordinary is, individual, if you want to quote him exactly. Has been but. capitalism. It's the only system ever where I can go to, to Nate and I can give him $5 and he can give me a coffee, real shitty coffee, and we both say thank you. I had that exact conversation because the coffee is always a good one. I had that conversation with someone on Twitter in that stream of stuff that we talked about at the end of last week, actually, with, uh, you know, Mama of Three and, and all those people mm-hmm. from last week. And I was good people she, on both sides. She was talking about helping people. And I said, what well, people people don't need money. That's not what poor people are lacking. I know that that's a crazy conversation, but they're not lacking money. They're lacking the ability or the opportunity to provide value in society that is equal to or greater than the amount of value that they want other people to provide to them in society. That they want to consume. That they want to consume from the labor of other people. And they are not able to produce enough value or more to be able to trade that value. And she's like, what do you mean by by value? I went through the conversation you just did with a cup of coffee. Every dollar that changes hands in a free market happens because you decided that whatever that product was was worth more to you than whatever the amount of dollars was that you handed over to them. And I bet this went Oh yeah. Right we over started talking we started talking about like Warren Buffett or something afterwards. Yeah. I don't you know can't actually Here here's one of the biggest problems mm-hmm. in America is that most people have zero understanding of economics whatsoever. To your point right there. Well what is value? What do you mean? That's what she what said, yeah. What is what is value? You're saying human beings aren't valuable? <laughs> That's what she heard. What? Yeah. Uh, and then you have these people voting for people to make policy decisions that wreck people's lives. And they think they're on the good side. They think they're being virtuous. They think they're the ones who are actually standing up for the poor people. And we're the ones who sound like we don't. And the opposite is actually true. Complete opposite. If you don't understand economics, you shouldn't be making any economical decisions. If you don't understand exchanging money, exchanging value, if you don't understand that concept, then how can you be directing any sort of policy whatsoever? That's a great question. I think that's why we uh, shouldn't depend on whoever wins a vote to be the person that's going to control the U.S. economy, which is arguably the most important economy in in the world and affects billions of people. Mm -hmm. So uh, maybe not the best idea. You know, even if they do have some kind of BS economics degree from Harvard or something like that or whatever it is. Uh, so I'm speaking of this and staying in this conversation, I'm going to skip down to the MSNBC article because uh, we do need to keep it a shorter episode. Um, from MSNBC, they said the nagging detail about the GOP's polling advantage on inflation. So what they're upset about is there's been some new polls out there showing that the American public trusts Republicans more to fix inflation than they do Democrats. And so they're very upset about that. And in in fact, that polling said 50%, this is the Washington Post ABC News poll, says 50% of the respondents said they trust Republicans compared with 31% who said that they trust Democrats to fix inflation. All right, so we got a 19-point gap right there. Going in through the article, they say, which leads, those details, leads to a relevant detail that's often overlooked. If voters think Republicans know what to do about inflation, they're likely to be deeply disappointed. This is from Rachel Maddow, right? And this is from her blog. I don't know mm-hmm. if she actually, uh, I don't know that she was the author on it. I doubt it. 
NBC News last week asked Senator Joni Ernst about her plan to address the economic issue on the minds of many American consumers. The Iowa Republican responded, stop spending federal money and start investing in American innovation and energy. Okay, that's a that's a dumb statement. Yeah. Can we agree with MSNBC because they characterized it as in order to reduce inflation, Ernst wants to spend less and spend more. Mm-hmm. Do both. <laughs> Do yeah. Pop down. Pop, yeah. Pop exactly. All right. Oh, you got to arch your back while well, keeping it. The flat. other thing is, are they actually acknowledging that inflation exists in this article? Uh, yeah. Well, they do acknowledge that Putin's inflation does in fact exist. Yeah. I took that paragraph out actually, but they did blame Putin's gas prices and stuff like that. Yeah. That's what it is. It's the Putin invasion. Now what they start off with are Republicans going to have Republicans helped get us to this point that we are at right now. Yes, they have. Okay. So we're not just coming out saying that Republicans are going to fix everything. We get a bunch of R's in office and we're all going to be good or anything, but their reasoning was the reason I wanted to include this. It was last fall when Senator Rick Scott accidentally told the Wall Street Journal what he was thinking. The Florida Republican seemed eager to celebrate inflation. He said, quote, this is a gold mine for us. The obvious problem was that elected officials aren't supposed to be happy about economic conditions that hurt the public. <laughs> so just to be clear, not that, I, not that it's good when some do it and some when aren't, when some don't, but this is MSNBC here. But we just got to be clear that don't let a good crisis go to waste is a bad thing. You're not supposed to adhere Those, to that principle. Yes. Okay. So when what's his name, let it slip mm-hmm. on yeah. camera. Also yeah. a bad thing. You know, people on the left, they never uh, look at a crisis that's going on and say, oh, look, we can do all the things that we've been wanting to do. We've got absolutely zero evidence that that has ever been the case Mm-mm. at all the green new deal nothing never i mean it's lock, not fear-based lockdowns trillions of dollars spent on on all that there yeah. no 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 way and, and i want to remind our republican listeners i think we have a lot of them that although there are some republicans who are better on spending than the the most of them like your thomas massey's and your Rand paul's um there are some very few that are better at it uh, it was the Republicans who passed a bunch of spending too, by mm-hmm. the way, in 2020. So, mm-hmm. and, and your beloved president Trump signed it. He did. Okay. So it's not, this is a problem for both. Now, if you, if we only have a choice between Democrats and Republicans to solve the problem, which we don't, by the way, cause they're never going to solve the problem. It's the market's going to do it. But I would like, I would prefer Republican leadership on it i can see why the country's it's, shifting it's the evil i know yeah i can <laughs> see know? why the country's shifting between because most people think oh well i've only got a democratic or republican choice like this is real bad right now i'm feeling this in my pocketbook so now i'm going to vote for some republicans and those are the people that are on the fence that always sway back and forth depending on what's going on so here was their only proof that republicans other than that random senator from iowa saying that we need to spend less and spend more. Um, Here was their only other retort to the idea that the GOP could fix inflation. Using an NBC News report last fall that much of the GOP's plan would have little effect or no effect in addressing the cause of increased costs or would not materially affect the economy for years. And that was their their issue right there. So their, their main problem was that 
NBC News says that the GOP's plan would not address the cause uh, or would not materially affect the economy for years. And that bothered me a little bit because it sounds like a drug addict who doesn't want to go through withdrawals. Uh, it also sounds like a, uh, an obese person that doesn't want to spend a couple of years getting in shape. Um, we got into these problems over decades of meddling, the U.S. government meddling in the market. And whatever the fix is for this problem, it's not going to happen inside of one election cycle. It's, it's not going to happen, and which is why they're, not, they're never going to vote to actually solve the problem, by the way. Because whenever whatever you do to solve the problem, say that you say the Fed can't print this money anymore, they can't do any of the bonds, any of that stuff that they're, that they're doing to try and pump up the economy, you're going to have an adjustment back to what the economy should be or what it would look like under a free market. You're talking about a massive crash when that happens because we're all high right now. We're all just mm. blown out of our minds, and we and some of us just don't even know it on whatever it is well, that they've been giving us. The thing is that there is going to be a crash one day. Mm -hmm. Like like the crash is coming sometime in the future. We're in a pretty big one right now, by the way. It's yeah, about we're twenty five percent down uh, from November. Yeah, right now it is a decent downturn right now. What I'm saying is though, there's like the crash that you're talking about. It's going to happen. Whether or not we implement it and we try to, you know, reduce the suffering as much as possible as we go along, or it happens where no one's at fault. It's like, oh, look, the economy just tanked. Mm -hmm. You know what we got to do? We, we got to print more money. Yeah. And we go back to the levels of, let's say, the gold reserve or something, right? Uh, which is my prediction, by the way. Um, so we go back to like 90s, it's never gonna happen. 70s and 80s uh, type of pricing. Anyway, that's going to happen one day. And what they want to do is they want to keep kicking the can down the road to where they're not going to be at fault. Well, because they're playing it's a game of musical, they're playing a game of musical chairs right now. No one wants to get caught when the music turns off. It's going to seemingly come out of nowhere. Mm -hmm. no, nobody's going to see this coming. They're like, no one could have predicted this insane thing because eventually we're going to get to a point where the ebb and flow is so high and so low that it can't hold the weight of all the bullshit it's been filled with okay that's going to happen and so it's just going to be at a time where they can all look around and be like who never saw this coming the thing that solidified the reason i wanted to talk about this today was because they talk about the gop strategy rooted in the idea that americans are upset that democrats are in power and that voters should blame whoever is in power right now that typically happens after well, both every sides. major election shift for sure and they say, but that doesn't mean the underlying problem will be addressed. Well, isn't MSNBC just so freaking worried about the underlying problems in the economy being they, addressed? They're terrified. Yeah, you know what the problems are? The problems that we won't spend $10, 15000000000000 trillion a year on whatever BS programs the government wants to throw out there. Mm -hmm. That's their underlying problem. The problem was $33 billion wasn't enough for Ukraine. Nate. No, it wasn't. We needed to do way more than that. Mm -hmm. That's the actual problem. We need some new COVID spended. <laughs> And by uh, one one quick thing here, and then we'll and then we'll go. Let me just throw this up here on the screen. Speaking of, now they had the White House Correspondents' Dinner. That's some pretty funny stuff, actually. It, yeah, it was. And I understand that people are joking. You're supposed to laugh about stuff, but this isn't going to play well for for Biden. In in my opinion, just this real quick 13 second clip. You know, I think ever since you've come into office, things are really looking up. You know, gas is up, rent is up, food is up, <laughs> everything. No, it really has been a tough first year for you, Mr. President.
All right. <laughs> no, that's a good joke. That's a great joke. It's good stuff. It's not like it's a dumb bleep <laughs> or anything. But to me, that's not going to... People are really... I understand. You can joke about stuff. We get it. I'm not saying you shouldn't laugh. You shouldn't make jokes about it. But this is a real thing that people are actually having an issue with, where the government has royally effed up the economy. They have really screwed stuff up. And there are actually people whose lives have been destroyed over the last couple of years. They look fine in their tuxes and, and stuff. Oh, yeah, you're right. They all do look good. <laughs> That's look, fine. That's good. They're all in their tuxes <clears throat> with the, you know, the reserve tables, special invite-only dinner, <laughs> but it's, $20 million worth of crab legs. It's stuff like that that is... That's not going to help Biden at, at all. And hey, it was a good sport about it. He laughed like he had any clue that he was even in a room with people at that moment. He <laughs> yeah. had no idea what was going on. We all know that. Amanda says, but, Trevor Noah, right wing extremist. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Straight up. All right, Charlie, let's get out of here. All right, y'all, that does it for us. If you enjoyed today's show, please hit that like button or follow button, whatever it is. Subscribe. <laughs> you know the thing. You know the thing, yeah. You know the thing. Hit it. Smash it. Touch it. Whatever you want to do with it. Just make sure you're following along as we release uh, every, a new episode every single day of the week when we want to share the show with a friend, a family member, a foe, and the children. And make sure you sign up for the live group, joingml.com. That's joingml.com to be part of the in crowd. And if you're not in, that's a sin. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yep. Yep. If you guys do all those things, we'll be back again tomorrow. Hope you have a good day and a good Morning Liberty. <laughs>